Okay, Jenny. What do you know about therapeutic breathwork? Therapeutic breathwork makes me think about people going into altered states and hyperventilating and, I don't know, some weird freaky shit. Yeah. And uh, what do you think the benefits are? Um, uh, maybe getting in touch with your primal self. Not sure. Yeah. Well, the most well-known version is holotropic breathwork, which involves breathing at a fast rate for up to an hour, up to two hours at a time often producing an altered state of consciousness. That's what I said. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So have you done it before? Yes, I have. With an ex-partner, a Californian girl. I don't know girl. why you have to say that. Well, I'm just saying, okay, I was with a Californian girl in Ubud, mm-hmm. uh, and she took me to one of her breath classes that she was involved in. Right. So uh, on Tinder? It wasn't on Tinder. I met her organically in this beautiful... Um, yeah, it was on Tinder. Um <laughs> And she took me to one of her classes, but there was like 20 people and it really quickly turned into, there was a guy next to me, like a wild dog and everyone. It's very distracting. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Did you feel pressure to be, uh, you know, a rooster or something? Well, I didn't feel pressure. I mean, I didn't even get to get a chance to go into any altered state because I was so fascinated with all the creatures around me. All right. Yeah. But she had a great experience and she went into some altered states and she did most times she went into it. So maybe it takes practice. I think it does, like anything in life. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, you know, that's everywhere in a boot. You turn a corner and there'll be a holotropic breathing class. But have you found one around here? Well, funny you should say that. I'm going to be working with a very experienced breathwork guy called Alex Buxton. Mm-hmm. who actually happens to be a friend of mine. Is this the Axeman? It's the Axeman. And um, I first met him at a charity retro surf comp. He's a very good surfer. Um, he was also a professional skier in his youth. Um, now, he's done a lot of holotropic breath work. He's worked with Wim Hof. He's trained with Dan Bruel. Sorry, this is Jenny just dropping in to say, I think Frank means Dan Brule. Of Breath Mastery, which he's like one of the big holotropic breathwork guys. And he's recently trained with Breathwork Bali in what's called FBR, Facilitated Breathwork Repatterning. Okay, I've not heard of that. No, and that's what we're going to be doing together. And it's kind of the, I guess it's the new breathwork that's out there. It's pretty hot breathwork, isn't it? So if there's something new coming out of Bali and it's evolved from holotropic. Yeah, well, that's how, I mean, that's how he describes it. It has evolved to this sort of breath work and he's blown away by it. I mean, he's done a lot of psychedelic drugs in his life. He'd, he'd be happy with me saying that. But he said he's gone to far more interesting states with this breath work. Oh, God, I'm in. I know you're in. Yeah, I'm in. Okay, you Jesus go first. Christ, you I'm go in. first. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you go first. It's always me go first. <laughs> you're listening to Spirit Levels the podcast that pressure tests the wellness industry. I'm journalist Jenny Valentish. Every week with my partner, actor filmmaker Frank McGree, we'll immerse ourselves in wellness practices from the pseudo to the sensible and we'll fresh out the benefits. There's as many breathworks as there are personalities. It's kind of the new yoga in a way. I'm here with my good friend Alex Buxton, known as the Axeman. Uh, g'day Frankie, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. What were your first significant experiences? You know, the first technically holotropic breath work that I went to was in this church. And basically it was an all-day event. 
and you breathe for three hours while someone sat with you on this mattress and then the rolls flip and then they breathe and you sit for them the room was like a, a zoo like people are jumping up and like literally like animating tigers and like elephants like like they're on some sort of psychedelic drug so from from a sitter's perspective i was looking around and going fuck man this is hectic in here man like you know what <laughs> what is going on and what's going to happen to me because i was sitting first not breathing right and in holotropic they they accompany it with very loud music and the music follows a kind of journey so it starts out very dramatic kind of tribal like lots of chanting and lots of like heavy drumming and stuff and then it sort of heat, hits a peak and then it starts to trail off and goes into more ethereal music the founder was a guy called stan groff and he was a czech psychiatrist who ended up relocating to america he was one of the early adopters of using psychedelics as a kind of tonic for therapy and this was back in the late 50s early 60s and when it got banned he had lost this kind of tool because he was working with altered states of consciousness, deep states of consciousness. And so he went on a kind of mission to find some technology to help him go back and be able to utilize that kind of altered state of consciousness to work with people. Essentially, it's we call it conscious connected breathing, which is similar to the Wim Hof in a sense where you have an active inhale and generally a passive exhale. In some holotropic schools, it's more of an active exhale as well. And so you're basically looping the breath. So it's a... And you're doing that, but you're doing that for one and a half to three hours. Right. Yeah. So what that does is it creates a kind of shift in the blood chemistry, takes part of the brain offline, and then you're in kind of an altered state. And so the philosophy of holotropic breath work is we're using breath as a technology to shift consciousness and alter the state to allow this material in the unconscious and this kind of subterranean inner world to come to the surface. You know, it's interesting because I don't know whether I necessarily had profound experiences with holotropic breath work. I had some quite graphic experiences maybe or they were difficult experiences. And based on my experience with holotropic, you wouldn't necessarily go and pursue it. But there's something in me that knew that there was like kind of like a magic or a, a mystery behind conscious connected breath work that I felt like I just had to pursue it, even though I, I wasn't necessarily experiencing the fruits of it. What sort of breath work are you exploring at the moment? I ended up doing what's called FBR, which is facilitated breath repatterning. When I was doing holotropic style breath work, I was watching a lot of what I would call dysregulated nervous systems. So what ends up happening in these groups is they use the breath to push and to elicit a response, almost like a catharsis. And like that almost seems like the goal. And then, and then there's a kind of integration that comes slowly from that. But what I was observing was in those people, even when they were having big cathartic purges, when I looked at their breath patterns, I thought, oh, wow, it's still the same. There's a bit of a dysregulation within their breath pattern. And, I mean, essentially your breathing system is the closest thing to your nervous system. Like you'll, you'll start to notice, like today when I had a situation where I ran over someone in the surf and it was a heavy situation, <laughs> and I felt like a bit of a villain, I just noticed in myself it was conflict, it was tension. And I was like, fuck, I just ran that dude over, you know, like, and I was thinking, I wonder if I've like, is he cut open or like, I didn't really want to confront it. But I, what I noticed is my breath, I was holding it. Right. Because it was a, it was an anticipation of conflict, tension, something's going to happen. So they would be like my unconscious pattern. 
like what happens when I'm under stress or where there's the potential for say physical interaction or violence or something. So I was seeing in these breathwork groups, like a lot of really dysregulated nervous systems. I was like, wow, there's got to be some other way. So I ended up finding this method called FBR, facilitated breath repatterning. And in that system, it's very different. We're looping the breath as I, as I do in holotropic. But what's really important is that we're looking for a vibrancy on the inhale and the exhale is passive and relaxed. It's like a, and then a, a letting go. And when someone lies down to breathe like that, what happens in holotropic, they might just want to stimulate the system to get to that unconscious state. But we're just, we're actually, how is the breathing getting there on the way? So I look at that and everyone's personality, everyone's traits come up in the breath. And so facilitated breath repatterning is more attenuation breath by breath and keeps the person in their window of tolerance. If you want to get high because there's a lot of that in breath work, it's like what that is is pushing the system into an emotional flooding catharsis. And I'm not saying that it's, it's bad, but if you really want to balance the nervous system and you really want to discharge these unconscious patterns, you need to keep the person in the window of tolerance because it's kind of where the safety lives and it's where the nervous system responds best. So you're going to take me on a journey? Yes. <laughs> look out. Look out. <laughs> what it's going to look like is going to be dictated by what you're available to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone said to me the other day, they said, man, you're in a world or you're unconscious. is like a maximum security prison and your psyche protects it like that. So right. it's like anyone's getting close, the fucking sirens come on, there's dudes with the guns. It's like, shit, man, you know, there's someone coming close because that's where your desires are, that's where your fears live. And it's also where the collective unconscious lives. So for a lot of people, that could be a scary experience. But once that fear is looked at, it kind of peels back. And that's where this kind of reserve of bliss or energy or psycho-spiritual experiences live. So right. what, what is that going to look like? Well, what's Frank's subterranean in the world look like? It's, it's just <laughs> scary. All right, you're back from your adventure. Tell me what happens. Um, well, it was an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Actually, is the part where I said I was so deep in the unconscious world and it was kind of like choose your own adventure. <laughs> the way I can only describe it is I've done meditation. You get deep in meditation, but this is on another level. You and, smell different. Well, you had um, <laughs> frankincense burning. <laughs> when I got back in the car, I thought, why has someone been smoking in this car? And I realized what it was. I'll, I'll just quickly take you through the... Yeah. So he... Yeah, well, he and I talked for probably 40 minutes before um, I started doing some conscious breathing. And he lay me down and and I kind of went into a meditative state. And he was taking control and telling me how to breathe and when to really let some air out. And he was touching my body like lifting my shoulders and moving my hand in different um, directions. We're doing oming, like om, letting sounds out and stuff. Probably, I guess, half an hour in, he, he put me on my side and literally in like the fetal position. And I just dropped into this really deep area where my body wasn't my body. I couldn't feel any of my body. 
and I was totally in my mind and my consciousness. He's hypnotized you. He hasn't hypnotized me. I've hypnotized myself. <laughs> and I just went into these realms and it was a bit scary at the first because I was like, oh, wow, this is, I'm, 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 I'm somewhere else here now. And as soon as I let the fear go, it was such a warm glow in this beautiful space. And he's playing music as well, really beautiful music. And you just let the music take you to another area of your mind and just, but you're not, it's more sensation than saying, oh, I'm thinking about a particular thing. It's like the deepest uh, rest you could possibly have in this blissful area and zone. This is so freaky. It's fucking amazing. I was... He's put me out of a job. <laughs> but was he still talking you through a certain path? No, he, he just he just leaves you. And How the are you weirdest... maintaining that state? I thought maybe it would be like hyperventilation. No. Well, when, once you reach that state, I mean, for me personally, um, I stopped breathing. So when I held my breath and this was unconscious I just did it where I held my breath and I would go deeper and deeper into the realm and I felt like I could hold my breath forever do you feel really spacey well I thought I'd feel more spacey and but I feel really good but I don't feel like I've come off a trip or anything will you still be able to cook dinner yes <laughs> <laughs> Is that music still playing in the background? That's the music of your mind. <laughs> that was a... Why is there a symphony in my head? <laughs> so, Jenny, mm. I've decided to go back for a second session with X-Men. Wow, he's got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this is very mysterious. All I know is you coming back with, with a radiant glow. But you're being mm. you're being very cagey about what actually happens, and I've listened to the audio, and all I can hear is deep breathing. Well, what happens in Breath Club stays in Breath Club. You know That's that with pretty much everything you've done for this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, look, I got a lot out of the first one. Um, you know, as he said, every session is different. Uh-huh. Um, I don't have any expectation that it's going to be similar. And then he said every every session for him is different, even maybe, now. Maybe it'd be like chasing a high because the first one was so epic. Yeah, and the first one was free, weirdly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Axe got me to breathe in a loop. There's no pause. It's a lively inhale and a passive exhale, both through the mouth. You use the mouth rather than the nose because mouth breathing creates volume more quickly and creates a shift in your blood chemistry. That allows your brain to go offline and into an altered state. Now you warn me that tingling sensations or even cramping around the hands, feet or mouth is completely normal. And then there's tetany, which is where your hands curl into claws. This happens particularly if people are initiating the exhale too much, instead of just passively letting it go. If he sees something like that, he just tells you to let out a big sigh and that's kind of like a trigger for the body just to relax. If he senses there's some energy that wants to come forward, he might hand you a pillow to scream into. That can free you up into breathing more deeply again. If there was a bigger expression wanting to come forward, then I might hand you a pillow. Uh, and what I'm offering you at that, in that point is to actually grab it 
and take a and let rip into the pillow. Okay. Moving the person's arms or putting a hand on the rib cage might also help the breath and allow more space. This whole breath journey follows a bell curve. It starts from a state of relaxation, building a body connection of looping the breath. There's a peak and then a long relaxation phase where the music becomes more ethereal. Acts liken the whole process to shaking up a snow dome, but then taking that time to let everything settle down again. All right, let's just pause for a second, because there's a really interesting story about how Axe ended up here. When he was 23, his snow dome got shaken up into a blizzard and then dropped on the ground. Essentially, I'd had like a, a kind of breakdown when I was 23 in the jungle of Thailand, and I had like a repressed memory come up from childhood, and essentially I went into a catatonic state and was kind of just completely... Um, lost the plot and part of the recovery from that was you know I sought out all different methods and systems to to help me and and one of them I ended up in the ashram you know when I had that experience in Thailand and, and I came back to Australia and I was just like it was such a shock to me to have gone from being you know I'd been a professional athlete I was a very together person from the outside to have this kind of crisis moment and then after that, I, I forgot everything, so I didn't know how I'd got there. The, the memories and different things that I'd experienced, I didn't remember that I'd had that, so I just had this, the after effect. Was it drug-induced? Or no, was it, no, no, it was not drug-induced at all. And like I, I had no experience with drugs at that point. Um, you know, thankfully that came later. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't at all. That was I was actually in a yoga posture. I was in the middle of the jungle in Thailand. I was in one particular yoga posture, and all of a sudden I just had this rush go through me to simplify it. All of the fear that I'd ever felt in my life, all the anxiety that I'd ever felt that was under the surface, like I wouldn't say that I was, that I was aware that that was there, it all just like in, injected in me in one full sweep. It was just like... And I was like... I was like and I went into almost like an epileptic fit and then I was in a, like a, a fetal position and next minute I'm like up and then I kind of had what I would call repressed memories go flashing in front of my face and then I passed out. And so when I came to, it was like heart of darkness. All the birds going, wah, 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 wah. and I was like, where the fuck am I, man? And I was looking around. There was no, there was no Westerners there. There was no one there. There was no support. No support at all. And I just got on this motorbike and I ended up in a monastery for 14 days, like in a silent retreat. And that was just like hectic. It was like, a, <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really intense. And... I can't explain. I mean, I was in this altered state. I was really scrambled. I had no concept of what to do. I had no idea what was going on. I thought I'd gone mad. And then I did all this meditative practice around that. But I, at the time, I realized that I really needed something else. Right. Anyway, so when I came back to Australia, I started going to yoga classes. My interest in them wasn't really around the, the asana practice, the postures. It was really around breath work. I was like, wow, there's something about breath has an effect on your state of mind. And that was a thing that spiked that. And then I became a yoga teacher and so my initial kind of contact with breath work was pranayama and yogic practice. You spent eight years in an ashram. What was that experience like? Um, yeah, well, what was it like? I mean, it's, I guess it depends on what time you asked me that. You know, like I, 
I think living in an ashram was a unique experience, especially because I was very young. In the end, it, it ended quite badly. So I guess there's still a kind of taste in my mouth about that. Essentially, the guru of the ashram was manipulating the female students sexually. And I discovered that and, and became almost like a whistleblower. And that was a really sort of confronting situation because I'd lived there for eight years. You know, I sought out all different methods and systems to to help me. And, and one of them, I ended up in the ashram. And so, you know, and for me, it really, it really helped me. It put me back on, on earth, literally. But then it's like any of these sort of places, you don't realize it at first. And then over, over a period of time, I realized essentially it was kind of like a cult environment. You're in a structure, you're in this kind of family dynamic almost. And there's a lot of lost souls that end up there, people who are traumatized in different ways. They're, they're seeking some kind of spiritual enlightenment. And so there's like a system there. And it's, you know, this is ancient philosophy of yoga, just understanding the mind and how it dictates how we feel. But when you're in a kind of controlled environment like that, you have to sort of park your critical mind to get in line with how it works. And, you know, it's a guru cult. So there's a guru at the top, there's a hierarchical structure. And, and, and it seems kind of crazy because you sort of think, why wouldn't you have been aware of this before? But like when you go in there, like I was, I was in a really kind of contorted internal state. You're kind of looking for peace. You'll do anything. Hmm. And, and he seemed to provide the answers. He was very charismatic. He understood the scriptures and they're really profound texts. But then, you know, there's always this kind of edge to it. I'm not sure if you've seen Wild Wild Country or you've yeah, seen... Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Well, that's, it was identical to that. It was a smaller version of it. When you see that, when you first see that, you go, oh, God, I'd love How to good. be part of it. Yeah. And then you get Friday towards the end and you go, I'd love to not be part of that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. I think you go in with the best intentions. They're in a community. They're given a job. Like, we call it selfless service. They've got this immediate family around them. So all those structures help the person stabilize. And then they're kind of indebted to the community. And then they don't want to leave. Right. The critical mind gets parked because you want to join um, with everybody else and drink the Kool-Aid. And, and essentially that's kind of what happened. It was traumatic because it was like I was kind of exploded out. So there was a lot of like innuendo and rumor around me and like I was scapegoated and different things like that. I almost sort of had to exile myself for a while. Yeah. And, and then... You know, years later it all came out and, and then it became like a shit show. Like the media got involved and then like over 200 people left the community. Whereas right. back then they kind of suppressed it all. And so then it was just me boosted out and then it was like, I was just like, I'm back in the world. How am I going to survive out here? That's incredible. It really sounds like therapeutic breathing completely got Axe's life back on track after going through something so intensely traumatic. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it definitely did. And he obviously went to the ashram and did lots of other different things to help it. But breathwork was the one thing he kept coming back to. Mm. So Frank, you went three times in all. Yep. Did it vary each time? Oh, drastically. My third time, was, there was a bit of weight attached to it, just stuff going on in my life. I mean, my son's friend just died in a car accident. And I did feel this real weight that I had to work through. Did you talk about it? Um, afterwards, I talked about it. And he he said, yeah, your breathing was, was really changing, going from your chest down to your stomach. And and it did feel like I was just made of lead. And, yeah, and it released. And it was great. So what are you going to do? I mean, it's an expensive thing to keep up one-on-one. -on -one, so what's the plan? Well, Axe is going to start some group sessions, which I think is going to be great because... I think that collective energy 
could be really good too. Like meditation, you do it by yourself and then you do it in a room with people and you just get so much more out of it. Mm. So I'm going to definitely keep doing it. Um, I think it's, I, I can't imagine you doing it as a practice by yourself. I want to come, by the way. You can definitely yeah, come, Jenny. You definitely want me over to this. Yeah. I think maybe you should have a few sessions with Axe. Mm. And then to see where, you, where you're at. You're listening to Spirit Levels, the podcast that pressure tests the wellness industry. I'm journalist Jenny Valentish. Every week with my partner, actor filmmaker Frank McGree, we'll immerse ourselves in wellness practices from the pseudo to the sensible and we'll thrash out the benefits. 